Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Forever. Dog. I have told the truth. This month on the Outside Genre episode, Elizabeth Wines, codename Verity. Hello, welcome to our March Outside Genre episode. I'm Lindsay Katai. I am Kelly Nugent. And today we are talking about Codename Verity by Elizabeth Wines, suggested to us by listener Randy Clett. Thank you so much, Randy, for the book suggestion. Thank you so much. And your much. support. And your support. Um, What did you think of this book, Lindsay? I liked it. Me too. Isn't it one of those books where, okay, because you and I were talking about it halfway through. Mm-hmm. And I, I was feeling this way. I don't know if you were. When, when I was reading it, like, halfway through, I was like, okay, like, where is this going? And then by the end of the book, I was like, wow. Yeah, okay. I was I was very impressed because I was yeah. I spent so this book gets broken up and obviously as usual we this is gonna be chock full of spoilers. So if you don't want to be spoiled on Codename Verity, please go read the book before you listen to this episode. Mm-hmm. Um it is split up into two parts, which I did not know because did on I. Kindle it's not the most obvious thing in the world. No. <laughs> and The first part is called Verity, and the second part is called Kitty Hawk. The book is about two women in um, England during World War II who, you know, work for the military and um, are, I feel like in the, the, do you want to read the back of the book? Yeah. That's probably, we should probably have been first before we started getting into the weeds. Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. October 11th, 1943. A British spy plane crashes in Nazi-occupied France. Its pilot and passenger are best friends. One of the girls has a chance at survival. The other has lost the game before it's barely begun. When Verity is arrested by the Gestapo, she's sure she doesn't stand a chance. As a secret agent captured in enemy territory, she's living a spy's worst nightmare. Her Nazi interrogators give her a simple choice, reveal her mission or face a grisly execution. As she intricately weaves her confession, Verity uncovers her past, how she became friends with the pilot Maddie, and why she left Maddie in the wrecked fuselage of their plane. On each new scrap of paper, Verity battles for her life, confronting her views on courage and failure and her desperate hope to make it home. But will trading her secrets be enough to save her from the enemy? Harrowing and beautifully... Okay, this part, we don't care. (laughs) That part's a review. We know what it was. I also love that this is a misleading, but in a good way, description Yes, this, one of the girls has a chance at survival. The other has lost the game before it's barely begun. You think you know who they're talking about. Yeah. No, no, and no. It's very sneaky. And very sad. It is very sad. I did cry at the end of the book uh, when it got to the mom's letter. Um, yes. And I yes. was I I was like, oh, I, I thought this was going to have a happy ending. Me too. <laughs> I was 
like, well, maybe they're going to save her. I was sure it would have a happy ending because, like, so technically this is classified as YA, but it's in not. one of those ways where I'm like, this is only classified as YA because a woman wrote it. Because if fucking, I get, as usual, I always use this as a reference, but if Ready Player One is not yep. YA, then this is not YA. This is not YA. It's just, it's about two women and it's written by and a woman. like younger. This is historical fiction. And it is like, the writing is very accessible to younger readers, but... But the content... The content is not YA, so I don't... Like, I'm just very annoyed by that. And what it expects of you, too, as a reader. Like, what mm -hmm. it expects of you as a reader, because something happens about mm, a little past halfway through the book, when we get to part two, that requires, I think, more than a YA book would normally require from a reader... Mm -hmm. Which is to kind of be like, okay, I need to like parse through. And not even at that point. I think like later when we discover that. Not until she gets all of what. Yes. When Verity she gets the papers. Writing. Yes. And then I was like, holy shit, this is pretty impressive. Uh-huh. That she did this. That, that this author wove this, like did this so well. I guess. Because then you start remembering other little moments and you're like, fuck, that's what she meant by that. Yeah. So it's a combination of being impressed by the writer and by the character, Verity. Yes. Uh, I, so I had texted you. I was like, I'm kind of annoyed by the writing style. Mm -hmm. And I don't like, because I don't like it when somebody is writing an account of mm -hmm. things that have taken place mm -hmm. and they're writing it as though it's a novel. Mm -hmm. and like writing it like writing dialogue out writing motivations out mm -hmm. writing super descriptive things and i was just like because it's not believable nobody writes like that if they're just writing a fucking diary mm -hmm. and i was also finding it conf i was like why are they letting her write this mm -hmm. which i'm still a little bit like why are they letting her write this but fine who cares mm -hmm. so verity has crashed she has been captured mm -hmm. we don't even know the name verity yet except that part one is called verity she is writing out an account of her mission her intended mission before she was captured she is writing and she's like really upset with herself that she's even complying she calls herself a coward all the time and she's like can you believe i'm sharing all these secrets for like clothes yeah it's That's like so, so pathetic how yeah. much they're getting out of me for so little but i'm just like she's been tortured and they've had her sitting in her like own urine and excrement and she's been vomiting and they're just like not cleaning her up and just she's in her underwear the whole time and they're um branding they're starving her. her they're starving her holding her head underwater for long periods of time and she just like finally snaps and and agrees they they come to her with these she is a um a wireless operator so she knows code mm -hmm. and they come to her with images of radios they found in the wreck and they're like you need to tell us 
about all of these radios in exchange for your comfort. And so she does, and she's really ashamed of herself. She gives them 11 lines of code and tells them about the the radios they found. And she starts writing this account for some reason from the pilot's point of view, her best friend, Maddie. Mm -hmm. And she writes about how Maddie got involved in the war. And she's like in the, the process of telling the story. She is giving them like airfields and airplanes that are being used, even though she's not an expert in that. They just want as much from her as she will give. And I mean, so there's like, there's a secret reason why she's like writing all this stuff. And then there's like the reason of basically she knows that once she's done and gives them everything, she's dead. Like they're they going kill to kill her. So she's like, like she's embellishing even, as much as possible. And there's even a moment where she's like, mm, yeah, they're telling me to stop writing so much. But like, what are they going to do? Yeah. I'm just going to keep doing this. And the captain at the prison she's being held, which is um, a French hotel that they've taken over, um, is very lenient in this way. Like, he's enjoying reading it. He's, like, kind of an intellectual. He's, like, a bit of a softie, but also not. Yeah, he's, like, a Nazi. He's, like, yeah, a fucking Nazi. Yeah. But he's like, oh, I want to talk to you about these, like, German uh, literature heroes. He's basically starved for interaction. Yeah. And he's not lenient in causing pain, but he's lenient in wanting to keep her alive. Mm -hmm. And it's like, he has a daughter named Isolde, and that's, like, part of it. And so he's just, he's letting her write and write and write, even though he shouldn't. And there's a secretary who's being held against her will, who's complying. And there's a young guard who watches over her doing this. And Mm -hmm. when she does anything they don't like, they like torture her or beat her. Um, Like she gets in a fight with the captain at one point and swears at him. And so he orders the secretary to burn her mouth out with like um, diluted Acid. acid. Yeah. The secretary is a chemist, mm-hmm. and that doesn't oh, end also, up happening. But that's beside the point. Yeah, there's also like a funny moment. Like, so she's actually she's pretty funny. Like, there's a moment where she talks about how so she knows German because she uh, and French studied it. Huh? What? And French and French. Just uh, yeah, and she. Um, so one day she comes in and she sees the secretary just like sitting there like working really hard and then she says uh i forget what she says in german but something like a standard attention uh like the fuhrer is here or something like that and the woman like the secretary freaks out and like jumps to standing and like snaps to attention and uh turns around and sees that it's just her saying that and she gets beaten up for it but it was i was like that's pretty funny yeah <laughs> i was a little bit annoyed by Verity's writing style when it was super flippant when she was just like too oh, yeah. enamored of herself and thought she was mm-hmm. like so cute and clever like I got annoyed I know it's I know it's a th- thing a real attitude but I was still like kind of annoyed by it but like every time they said that she was English she would get like really 
offended because she's actually Scottish and like how dare mm-hmm. anybody mistake her for the English because of, you know, England's uh, iron rule over Scotland and Ireland for centuries. Mm-hmm. Um, And so like sometimes it would get too cute for my taste. Mm-hmm. And then she started in writing I, about I guess Ma- I didn't really Maddie. care. At, at first, I, I guess I didn't really, I, I was slight, like there were where it began to come towards too cute for me but i was like you know what this is all this lady has so <laughs> so just let her be cutesy she's writing her own fucking will right now like well I'll just let, you know certainly by the time it got to the second half of the book i was like all right i take it back <laughs> i mean once we because then she starts to get more vulnerable though too mm-hmm. she's and especially I mean, oh the maddie thing i yeah when she cries and cries and cries looking at the pictures that they show they, her they force her to look at photos of the crashed airplane and the um charred corpse the charred corpse the pilot and she was hoping that maddie had made it somehow um and she's writing about their friendship like she decides to extend her life as long as possible by giving them the secrets but inside the story of their friendship mm-hmm and so she details their meeting, but it's again from Maddie's point of view. And she she meets this girl named Queenie, who's like, f- like always like totally calm, cool, and collected, and put together, and just like gorgeous and smart. And it was so funny because you know how she's writing it from Maddie's perspective, and then when uh-huh. she meets her, she's like the most beautiful woman she's ever seen. Blah blah. I was like, oh damn, is Maddie gay? But then when we find out that that's her, I was like, damn. This <laughs> was just obsessed with herself <laughs> so See, funny. i i guess that she was queenie right away i loved when she and this part was like the first crack in her exterior so she's like describing herself as being so cool and calm and then that last sentence of that one chapter where she says i just really hated myself like i i hate who i was then yeah i was like whoa and the captain figures this out. Like they're super annoyed, but like the secretary angle is really annoyed by Verity, now Queenie. Right. And actually we and, don't know that her name is Verity. We don't. Yeah, we don't know the whole time. The whole time um, we just know that her name the back is... the the book says it, but I didn't really read the back of the book. And I knew it, I mean, the book is called Codename Verity. So like we know, but we don't know. So well, so I was because I didn't really think about it, and I didn't read the back of the book. I totally breezed by the significance of that interview. That oh, she, really? Yes. See, that's when I super knew that the interviewer was in on it. I didn't know because I just wasn't really thinking about the name of the book, and then I sure didn't. So I like it hit me later, and I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh I see. Okay. Because um, you're not really supposed to know that the entire time she's right. writing. And so that's for the best. I think it is because um, it was a cool reveal. Yeah. I think, in fact, this book should have been called something else. <laughs> yeah. I think it should um, not have been called Codename Verity. Oh, well. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a great name for a book, but it really mm-hmm. does give a lot away. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, she's always writing about Angle being annoyed with her and she's complaining to the captain. The captain's like, don't you get it? She's like, she's giving us everything. She's queenie. Mm-hmm. And Angle's like, oh, interesting. Because <laughs> she has mm-hmm. to translate everything into English for the mm-hmm. captain. Or from English into German for the captain. Mm-hmm. And 
And so like in between writing about the story about her and Maddie's friendship, she is also detailing like the torture that she's being subjected to by the secretary and the guard and blah, blah, blah. Oh, and she also says like, uh, like, you know, when the when the uh, there's like certain details about the space itself that she kind of talks about where she's like, oh, when the um, interviewer came, which we'll get to that more in a second, she's like. Uh, she thought that like we were staying like they gave her a tour of the space um, to be like, oh, we treat our prisoners really well. But like what she saw was actually the officer's quarters, which are like the first three floors. And they don't put the uh, the prisoners anywhere but fourth floor and higher because it's less chance that we'll try to get out the window. Mm hmm. And she's like, every all the windows are boarded up. I don't get any sunlight, blah, 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 blah. And this is all important for later. Mm hmm. And so she's throwing in a bunch of de details like this. She's talking about her time in the camp, but without being too detailed. She just, she's like more talking about her experiences than much about the camp. And like the other prisoners who are being tortured won't give up anything. And they hate her because she is collaborating with them and she hates herself. And she cries while she's writing, but she's also like really flippant and has a sense of humor. And she, every time she like talks about herself being so confident in her and Maddie's friendship, she's also like, I could fucking strangle myself. Like I thought I was such hot shit. Yeah. And in the course of the friendship, like they both get separated and they both end up part of the spy missions. Maddie as a pilot transporting people in and out of the country and Queenie as a spy herself and mm -hmm. um, she eventually like she and Maddie are staying together in this cottage after one of her missions and Maddie sees that Queenie isn't made up like herself like she's got this real instead of like her French updo she's got this really severe bun and she has all these bruises on her neck and Queenie tells her it's because she is has been working as an interrogator she pretends to be German working to get information from captured prisoners as this person, Ava Weiler, I think. Mm -hmm. And it like got she'll come that, in. Like, like, usually she can get people to talk by like charming them and being nice and lying to them. Because they want to see someone from their side. Because this is all yeah. from German, captured German soldiers. Mm -hmm. And she makes them believe that they've been captured by their own people and and she's like trying to debrief them and like trying to see if they're a spy or something mm -hmm. and this but one in their desperate attempt is, night hmm? uh, and and the, in their desperate attempt to like show that they're not spies they give <laughs> secrets a bunch of information <laughs> yeah and so she was interrogating this one prisoner that night who knew that she wasn't on the level and tried to kill her and she like talked her way out of it and eventually got a bunch of information from him. And she like felt like hot shit, but she was also super traumatized and spent the night crying in Maddie's arms. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And then the captain gets these pages and he's like marches in on her and he's like, you're Ava Weiler. Fuck you. You're Ava Weiler. And she's like, mm -hmm. I am fucking Ava Weiler. And she like charms him into giving his daughter's name without him even it. thinking about it. Yeah. Like she just does it on the, Flip of a coin, you know, like turn, like what is it? She she's, turns on a dime, and it's yeah. just like, um, do you have a daughter? Like, or she's like, what's your daughter's name? And he says like, Isolde. And he's like, oh god, 
<laughs> How did she's you like, just get that out of me? And it was because <laughs> like she, she like she's like a chameleon. She can flip into a different personality or and or persona. And she and like point, made herself look like vulnerable. Yeah. And like batted her eyes at him. And she was like, Don't you have a daughter? What's her name? And he's like, Isold. Son of a bitch. And then she and I also love that at this point she is so fucking like frazzled out that when he does that, she just starts cackling. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, see? <laughs> like, like, I don't need to prove it. Like that is my proof that yeah. I'm Ava Wilder or w- yeah. Wilder. Mm-hmm. And so now he's really excited because he has a much bigger get than just mm-hmm. some wireless operator. He he mm-hmm. got one of their spy interrogators. And um I Oh think yeah, that and this happens before the Ava Wilder Wilder thing, but it doesn't really matter. But uh what were you gonna say? Oh, I was just gonna say uh like the beginning of when she discovers of like when everybody discovers what her potential is and why she becomes a spy is the the crashing German guy. Mm-hmm. Cause that was like um It was key. Yeah, it was key. So like this this uh they're at the uh the camp uh and uh, it's when this she and Maddie it's yeah. she, her and Maddie's first meeting. Yeah. And it's through Maddie's perspective and Maddie is like just chilling and then they get like a radio and it's a uh, German voice and he's like freaking out and they're like, fuck, does anybody know German? Yeah. And um, uh, they bring Queenie in. Yeah, they bring Queenie and she does. And so Maddie just basically feeds her what to say because they find out that he thinks he's landing in France, but he's turned around, doesn't know where he is. And he's actually landing in England. And, and so they, they do that by uh, Maddie sits with her and gives her like radio, um, like terminology. She coaches her in what to say. And then Queenie says it all in German. And it gives like such an amazing performance as though she knows what she's talking about that then they use her to interrogate the guy yeah. after. Yeah. Which Maddie doesn't find out until she finds out about the Ava Weiler thing. And just this is minor, but it was one of the moments that I thought was like a cute friendship moment of them two. And this is before anything like, oh, the really umbrella? crazy happens. Yes, the umbrella. Yes. I loved the umbrella moment so much. Like also the the things that that she what does she say? She says, I quite feel like a tortoise. I thought that was really cute. <laughs> Um, the umbrella thing, and then they call them when, brawlies. Yeah, brawlies. That's a British. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that, a, and then the um, when they go on that bike trip to try, they try to go to this bar for lunch before uh, Verity has to be back working somewhere, um, and and she from seeing this like farmhouse can tell that they would feed them if they stopped in. And so she wants to get like a lunch there for free. So she- Because they've like, already missed like lunch missed hours the lunch at time. this pub. Yeah. So she like takes Maddie into this house and they like pretend to be just like, you know, oh, we just work at the, at the, um, at the base and kind of like charms her way into this family to like get a free lunch, which I thought was cute. 
But the mm-hmm. umbrella thing, let's talk about the umbrella thing because it's cute. Um, yeah, so there's an air raid and they have to escape to a bunker and Maddie, and it took me a while to figure out what was going on because it was raining, but she brought the umbrella in and then she wouldn't close the umbrella and I couldn't quite figure out what was going on, but it was Maddie was like holding onto the umbrella as though the umbrella was going to protect her from the bombs. And it was protecting her from just like little pieces of crap that were falling from the ceiling, but yeah, <laughs> it's like not really doing much. And Queenie sees her doing this and comes over and is like, this is a great idea. Can I share this with you? And it's sort of implied and um, feel free to disagree with me, but Queenie didn't really care about sharing the umbrella with her. She was trying to talk Maddie out of a state of shock. Yeah, because Maddie was like gripping white knuckled on this umbrella. And so she was just kind of like talking about the umbrella and saying, oh, I feel like a tortoise just to kind of get to her to be more mindful, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, or she's like, oh, look, we're sitting under an umbrella. Oh, what are five things I see? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Tell me all of your fears. Name all your fears. I'll tell you. Um, Like bringing her out of herself because Queenie is just like really good at people. And she's amazing at cool under pressure. Yes. And can take on these personas. And so she like takes on this persona of somebody who's as scared as Maddie. Yeah. And so then they become really good friends after that. And the the pub thing happens and they both become, they both work for this secret spy mission and get sent on this mission together. Maddie isn't supposed to be flying Queenie to France, but. Real pilot Peter gets in an accident. Oh, my God. I was also shipping, and I think we were supposed to, uh, obviously, but uh, Maddie and um, her brother. Verity's brother. Yeah. Not Maddie's brother, but yeah, Verity's brother, Jamie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I very liked him. Much. Yeah. I liked him a lot. I thought he was great. Um. Oh, I highlighted this one part because also like kind of shipping Maddie and Verity Obviously. Obviously. Um where, where is it? Um but it's that female friendship thing. Um like how intensely you can feel about somebody. Um and it's after their first night in that air raid and um it says it's like being in love discovering your best friend. Like they're yeah. just they they both have like friend crushes on each other and are just totally enamored. Um, yeah, and I their, love that their love was so touching to me. Oh, and then mm-hmm. there's also a moment too where she talks about how she and Maddie, um, uh, she was talking about how much it sucks being locked up, and she's like, you know, um, I had this aunt who, uh, because they were talking about mercy killing, mm-hmm. and uh, because because they were talking about how they felt bad for the um for the crashed pilot and all this stuff. And she's like, you know, um, I had this aunt who uh, her husband got really, really sick and and they just couldn't remove all of his tumors. And so uh, he asked my aunt to kill him and she did. And it was because of love. And, you know, our family knows the truth, but everyone else just thinks it was a hunting accident and that they had always liked Laurel and Hardy. And is it kiss me, Kate? Is that what it? Kiss me hardy. Oh, kiss me hardy. 
So that, and, and they, they like said that to each other when talking about this story of this uncle and aunt where, and, and, and that they were like, oh, well, I'd do that for you. And then one of them says, kiss me, Hardy. And that's just like one of the stories she tells of the many. Mm-hmm. And it, um, it was like, um, like it was horrible. It was a horrible thing for the great aunt to live with. But like everybody yeah. knew she had done the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. And because he was, he was in for a terrible fate. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of it. Part of their bonding. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, and then at some point while Verity is in there, they bring in an American woman to interview her. This American woman is a does Nazi propaganda to be transmitted to American soldiers. And the the idea of this propaganda is very funny to me. It's like, oh, man, you soldiers. Ah, like if you go down in battle, your wife is going to snuggle up to the guy who stayed home. So you might as well turn around, turn around doing this or like, isn't it terrible how the British are making female spies? I mean, women doing spy work. What could be less charitable? (laughs) Blah, 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 blah. And it's like super... (laughs) like cheesy and hokey and uh, sentimental garbage to like try to twist the minds of American soldiers. And Queenie is really horrified by this. Yes. And the Um, prison is all up in a buzz about this interview happening because it's a big deal. They're like, mm -hmm. oh man, okay, we're going to be featured in this propaganda thing. So we need to make everything look really good. Um, Here's some soap for her. Uh, have her take like a bath the, because she's been cooperating with them. She's like the least damaged prisoner. Yes, at least not on her face. Yes, they have because, brand, Well, that gets talked about later. But so they yeah. put her in this, um, in these nicer clothes, and they give her her silk scarf back, and she ties it around her neck to hide evidence of their torture. And the woman comes to visit and. And Queenie is very much playing along. And then the woman, maybe I'll just read this part. What do you think? Sure. Because I, I just remember she says, okay, well, I'm going to need the truth. I need absolute verity. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Verity, who we don't know as Verity at the time, um, says, uh, Queenie says, like, she's like laughs. And she's like, okay, Verity, sure. Yeah, I'll tell you the truth. Right. And then quotes something. And I don't remember what it is she quotes. I think it's like lines so from... what happens... She she quotes first. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. And 
Queenie is having to write this for the captain as like her account of what happened. And um, she, so the woman's name is Georgia Penn. And she offers Queenie a cigarette and. Oh yeah. She, Hitler hates cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. And so nobody's allowed to smoke and she takes one. Um, and. Georgia Penn says, I don't want to waste my time listening to propaganda. It's my job and I'm wise to it. I'll be frank with you. I'm looking for truth. Je cherche la vérité. And Queenie says, your accent is frightful. I answered also in French. Would you repeat that in English? She did, taking no insult very serious through a pall of smoke. I'm looking for verity. It's a bloody good thing Von Linden let me have that cigarette because otherwise I don't know how I'd have managed to conceal that every one of us was dealing out her own damned pack of lies. Truth, I said but at instead, last instead, she's English. just like, holy Truth, shit, she holy agreed. shit. Angle <laughs> came running to my aid with a saucer, there being no ashtrays. I'd sucked the whole cigarette down to the butt in five or six long drags, composing myself to answer. Verity, I said in English and exhaled every last molecule of nicotine and oxygen I had inside me, then gasped, truth is the daughter of time, not authority, and this above all to thine own self be true. I gibbered a bit. I confess, Verity, I am the soul of Verity. I laughed so wildly then that the Fuhrer had to clear his throat to remind me to control myself. I am the soul of Verity, I repeated. Je suis l'esprit le vérité. De vérité, excuse me, and obviously that was abysmal to all French people. I apologize. <laughs> um, and amongst the tobacco fugue, uh, Georgia Penn very kindly handed me what was left of her own cigarette. And then they continue the interview and she keeps giving this account of what happened. And of course, because I was thinking about the fact that I knew her code name was Verity, I was like, oh, Dan, the reporter is checking on her. <laughs> and she freaks out when she hears Verity because she's like, oh, this... This bitch is in on it. Yeah. She's not doing propaganda, or she is, but it's like all, she's a spy too. She's here to yeah. check on me. And so this whole interview where I was like, what is this bitch babbling on about? She keeps saying weird things that I was confused by. Like, mm -hmm. like it says, no, I, she says that the, the nickname for the prison is Le Chateau oh, de... The uh, butcher yeah and it it yeah. means um it's like the the real name of the hotel is like chateau de bordeaux um mm -hmm. bordeaux castle but they call it um chateau de um barreau which means castle of butchers mm -hmm. and she says no i'd not heard that i said and i honestly haven't perhaps because i am so isolated most of the time shows you how distracted i am that i didn't think of it myself well as you can see i am still in one piece she really looked at me hard for a second, just one second. I smoothed my skirt down over my knee. Then she became businesslike and produced a notebook and pen while a pale, um, is it Gestapo? Gestapo? Gestapo, Gestapo. right? I started to get really in my head about that. But of course, <laughs> Gestapo. Gestapo? <laughs> Underling, <laughs> who looked about 12 years old, poured cognac. Cognac for the three of us. The three of us, VL, GP, and me, not Angle out of a crystal decanter into snifters as big as my head. At this point, I became so deeply suspicious of everyone in the room that I could not remember what I was supposed to say. Alibi, alibi is all I could think of. 
This is different. I don't know what's going on. He wants to catch me off guard. It's a new trick. Is the room bugged? Why have they lit the fire and not the chandelier? And what does the talking cockatoo have to do with it? Wait, wait, wait. What else is there to get out of me? I'm giving the Gestapo everything I know. I've been doing it for weeks. Pull yourself together, Lassie. You're a Wallace and a Stewart, which is like a very Scottish thing. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, I purposely, purposefully put out my cigarette against my own palm. Nobody noticed. I love that she so so at first you're like, okay, she's losing it. But it's that she is you using these journals to rewrite what is actually happening. So she's like, okay, I need to fucking explain why I started freaking out when she said the verity thing. So I'm just gonna say that I'm fucking crazy now because of all the torture mm-hmm. and that I didn't know what to do or say because I felt like it was all a lie. Um. So when really cool. it's that, yeah, she like flipped when she heard her own code name. And she was like, holy shit, holy shit. Oh my God, be cool, be cool, um, be cool. <laughs> so um, this is this is a point where I was like, it's a moment where I was annoyed with the writing. But then I found out later was very specific and intentional. And I was like, well, the author's got one on me. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, that entire the exchange is I was like, so what specific. the fuck are you talking about? Um, and then I was very, I was like, why is this part underlined? Um, oh, here it is. So she says, can you speak on behalf of other prisoners here? We don't see much of each other. I had to dodge that one. Or not to speak to. I do see them too often. Will you get a tour? She nodded. It looks very nice. Clean linen in all the rooms. A bit Spartan. Well, he did too, I said waspishly. It used to be a hotel. No proper dungeon rooms. No damp. No one suffering arthritis at all. And I was like, what the fuck are you babbling about? And it turns <laughs> out that that was all like code because mm-hmm. they call they call a certain like radio arthritis mm-hmm. and and so she's like it, when these papers all get smuggled out to the french resistance who maddie is bunkering with because we find out maddie's not dead and mm-hmm. and she reads this and she immediately knows that this is code for like they can't they can't transmit out of here and the place has its own generator yeah that's what she means by everyone's quite warm and no one has arthritis and I was like, yeah. well, fuck me. Yeah. This author I mean, is very smart. Because she has she has to do two things, right? She has to make it be that this person is writing something that's gonna explain in an innocent way her behavior that might be kind of not so innocent to the Gestapo, but then also communicate something to anyone who might find those papers. Mm-hmm. And she also has to She's very purposely babbling in the writing, which is what I was finding too cutesy, all the babbling. But the babbling has a very specific purpose because if she's not constantly babbling about some things, then the stuff where that does right. seem like babbling will stand out. Stand and out. so she has yeah. to constantly be babbling and constantly be glib and sounding like an idiot and making all these jokes so that the few things that are meant to for resistance leaders won't be obvious. Yeah. And she has to like overshare about certain things. So that way, when certain stories about her past are included, they don't seem suspicious. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's extremely impressive. <laughs> extremely impressive. Like by the end of the book, I was like, I could not write this. I I was really impressed. I was very impressed. Like if I did do it, it would take me many, many, many years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because that like it really it's one of those books where by the time you get to part two, it really changes what you think about part one, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Yeah, completely. To the point where I was like, oh, I'm dumb and wrong. <laughs> I, I was dumb to be annoyed by the writing. Um, I remember uh, when we were texting and I was like, it's worth it. Something's <laughs> going to happen that's going to make it worth it. Trust me. And I did believe you, but I like didn't, I couldn't conceive of what it was. No. Which is very like dumb of me. Now it seems dumb. No, but, but I, liked- I was shocked too. I was yeah. very shocked because I didn't get fully on board with everything um, until... I started to really like, I mean, this is maybe fucked up with me, but like I started to really like Queenie once she got really depressed. Yes. Well, it was was, because I don't like anybody who is unflappable, truly unflappable, like um, because it makes you a Mary Sue. If you are never vulnerable and never doubt yourself, then you're not real. Yeah. I mean, the moment that she really started breaking down when she thought that Maddie was dead. I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Like that, I, I was like, okay, I, I do feel like she's a full person now. And then by the end, when she's just like, I'm just going to fucking die. Like I am going to be killed by these people. And being killed is the best I can hope for mm-hmm. because they are going to send me somewhere possibly where I'm going to be fucking experimented on. I know. And I was like, fuck are the experiments what's all those nazi experiments well i know that there were a bunch of nazi experiments but i was like but which ones are they gonna do on her i know i was like but which ones yes um and i wanted to read this part because i thought it was a really nice bit it was like a very specific and i liked it so georgia penn is leaving um the american interviewer yes and she said she turns to Queenie and um, um, the book says, then she leaned close to me and said in confidential tones, can I get you anything, send you anything, little things, towels? I told her I'd stopped. Well, I have, and they wouldn't let her anyway, would they? I don't know. According to the Geneva Convention, you're allowed to send useful things to prisoners of war, cigarettes, toothbrushes, fruitcakes with hacksaws inside. But as I just pointed out, the Geneva Convention doesn't apply to me. Knocked and nebbled, night and fog, burr. As far as Georgia Penn knows, I have no name. To whom would she address the package? And again, just reading that now, at the time I was like, what the fuck are you babbling about? And now I realize that she's trying to tell the resistance that she, she hasn't told them her name. The Geneva Convention doesn't apply to her. Yeah. And she is a part of what the Nazis call night and fog, NN. And those are prisoners specifically designated to go to. Um, it's like the worst camps to be mm-hmm. experimented on. So this is, she knows that she's going to get these papers out and this is her trying to tell them that. So she's not just babbling. Yeah. And she's also saying like, I am on enemy territory. I am trapped here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they are going to take me to one of these camps. She asked, you're not, 
it was a rather extraordinary conversation if you think about it. Both of us speaking in code, but not military code, not intelligence or resistance code, just feminine code. You haven't been. I'm sure Angle was able to fill in the blanks. Can I send you sanitary towels? No thanks, I've stopped bleeding. You're not pregnant. You haven't been raped, raped. What was she going to do about it if I had? Anyway, technically speaking, I've not been raped. No, I've just stopped. I've not had a cycle since I left England. I think my body simply shut itself down during those first few weeks. It performs basic functions only now. It knows perfectly well it's never going to be called on for reproductive purposes. I'm a wireless set. Oh, right. And this is all again. So this is about her treatment. This is about how they're going to do experiments on her. It Like about where they're going to send her, where she is now. Yeah. All all a story and code at the same time. And at the same time, yeah, exactly. Like throwing it off from for the Gestapo being like, oh, we're not speaking in that kind of code. It's a ladies thing, you know, mm-hmm. periods, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's really good. It's really, it's really impressive. It's very impressive. Um, and then after that, you know, she gets tortured some more. She, oh my God, this part when she she over so she keeps overhearing this french girl next to her being tortured mm-hmm. and she's tired of hearing it and so finally she's like just lie and she screams just it at this lie girl. to them yeah and then the sound stops abruptly and they bring her in to where the french girl is sitting and it's obvious that they've like kind of talked to her and they're like so then they're like, bring her in. They're like, do you have something to say to this French girl? Like, say it to her face. And she's like, fine, yeah, just like, lie. She doesn't think much of your suggestion. Yeah. And then the French lady turns to her, French girl turns to her and goes, is that what you did? And then she's like, holy shit, was this to get to me? And yeah, that she, moment I was like, fuck. Yeah. And she starts freaking out. And she's like, no, 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 I've never lied. I've never lied. I've never lied. And she's writing this in the manuscript, trying to convince them, like, I told the truth. I told the truth. I told the truth. And they, because of this, they force her to watch them execute the French girl. Yeah. And again, everybody thinks that Verity is complying with them. Yeah. And giving them information, but she's only pretending to. So that's the thing is she is lying to them. And I think she truly did just like freak out and want to help yeah. this French girl and was like, just fucking lie like I'm doing. I'm fucking lying. It's so easy if you would just try to do it. Yeah. And then the moment where the French girl says, her like, is that what you're doing? I think she realizes kind of her slip and it's like, no, no, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And the way that they make because she doesn't know if she's going to be executed. She just is going out into the yard where they she have a thinks they're going to watch up. her. She thinks they're forcing her to watch the French girl die and then are going to kill her. Yeah. In that moment, I think, too, because that's the thing. Everybody in the prison hates her because they all think that she's collaborating. Like all the other fellow prisoners. Yeah. The fellow prisoners think she's a weakling that just turncoat, you know? And so she, when she's walking, um, there's like a moment where she describes it. She, the back of her hand, she can feel the back of the French girl's hand because they tied their wrists together. And that's fucked. Her wrist was tied to her while that girl's head was cut off. That's fucked. Mm-hmm. 
Because she gets and her blood right, all over her face. Yeah. And she's like, I never knew your name. And the girl just doesn't say anything. And then right as her head's about to be chopped off, she like says to Queenie, my name is, is it Marie? Yeah. She's like, my name is Marie. And then the thing comes down and it fucking sprays her in the face. And then they bring her back inside and they don't kill her. Mm-hmm. And then like one of the last things that we see from her, or I guess the last thing is she's like, well, I've said it all. I've told them everything I know. I can't and they're going to send me there. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing in the pile is a suggestion from the Gestapo above the captain that's there that suggests that she gets sent to one of the experimental camps. Mm-hmm. And then and you're like, stop being lenient. Yeah. And that do it now. Yeah. And so that's the last you see of her. And, yes, please do. Um, note to Amadeus von Linden from Nicholas Ferber, translated from the Ger- German. This is my final reminder to you that flight officer Beaufort Stewart is a designated NN prisoner. She has been seen qu- twice in your custody, and I will be forced to take formal action against you if it happens again. I recommend you send her at once to Notzweiler Struthoff as a specimen with the order that she be executed by lethal injection after six weeks if she survives the experimentation. If you show this devious little liar one atom's worth of compassion, I will have you shot, Heil Hitler. And then it's part two, Kitty Hawk. And then Um, all of a sudden we're in Maddie's diaries, which make a lot more sense and aren't written with like long they aren't written like a novel they're written like diaries well and they're yeah and they're written in her voice she's just a lot more no nonsense she's not really a writer she's mm-hmm. like they she's have like, different like personalities <laughs> um you want to hear something crazy what so micah um has been uh trying to or he's been sending in his uh 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 documentation uh, for uh, proof that his family was uh, had to flee Austria um, oh. uh, pri- during the Holocaust. And so he's mm-hmm. been having to send it over to the uh, Austrian consulate. And um, he so he's been going through and finding like not only immigration papers, but like the Aryanization papers of like oh, wow. taking over like taking their businesses and giving them to non-Jewish people. And Mm -hmm. all of the documents are signed Heil Hitler. Isn't that so so disturbing disturbing and creepy? Yes. And then in a more lighthearted way, Micah wasn't really understanding some of of the stuff that he needed to do from the website. So he called the Austrian (laughs) consulate uh, with some questions and it was the most Austrian person that was just like so disinterested. He was like, I just don't really uh, understand what I'm supposed to be doing. And they're like, but don't you understand? And he's like, oh, I just, I don't know like which forms. And then they like interrupted him and they're like, it's all very simple. It's all in the document. Uh, so I just don't know what you don't understand. And he was like, okay. Um, all right. Well, I thank you. I'll just reread. Uh, <laughs> um but yeah so he's doing that to try and get uh dual citizen citizenship because you can do that if you have that proof um yeah for eu and uh 
and U.S. citizenship. And most places you have to relinquish one to get EU citizenship. Mm -hmm. But for Austria, you don't have to do that. You can keep both. Oh, interesting. So he, he was looking into that because that'd be cool. Yeah. And it extends well, to also me. just in case. <laughs> that's what, I mean, that's why he was rushing to do it. I figured. Um, before, yeah. And I mean, even still now, just good to have just in case. Yeah. Just in case, I don't know, four years from now doesn't go great. Or yeah. two years from now. Who knows? Who knows? Or tomorrow. Or tomorrow. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, so we're with Maddie. So it being signed Heil Hitler. Isn't that awful? It's really awful. Um, um, that must be so disturbing for him to have to look at. Yeah, he was like very disturbed by it. Yeah. And that made me realize something, actually, you bringing that up is that we don't find out Maddie is Jewish until it's Maddie's point of view. She was hiding the no, fact that Maddie is Jewish. No, we do with Queenish. Oh, right. She just she said says that, her, that her father yeah. sells to Jews. Yes. Because he yes, owns yes, a but bike we find shop. out that he is Jewish. Yes. Because she thinks Jewish. that Maddie might still be alive and that they could find her. So she's not telling them. Right. Right. And I was like, Aww. Yeah. And then... Also, like Maddie at this point doesn't know that that uh, Queenie is still alive. So, like, there is at the beginning of both of their stories, they're both like, "Oh man, my best friend." My is friend. Dead. <laughs> um. Also, oh, that terrible British oh, Paul. guy, Paul. Paul. Paul can go suck a hot dog. Yes, he's terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's this like this guy who's extremely like helpful and. And like a good soldier, but who like gropes all women within like five feet of him mm -hmm. and like walks in to try to seduce, hopefully just seduce Maddie. And she like pulls a gun on him and he's like, what? I wouldn't have done anything. And she's like, I'm extremely disturbed not knowing whether that's true because well, I couldn't have like, cried out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because she realizes, like, where she is because she has to hide in a crawl space for, like, you know, for days. Weeks. But she also, oh, yeah, weeks. And then she's like, uh, well, because, you know, any time, like, he teaches her how to shoot. And she's just like, God, he's touching me more than he needs to. I know that. He it's doesn't like, need yeah, to be touching leaving me. leaving his is. hand on my shoulder for too long, putting it on like my waist touching, when he doesn't yeah. need to. Little things like that. He's so icky. Um, he is icky. Um, and it's it's interesting, though, because it's like he's icky, but he's also like a straight up hero. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an, a really co complex character to have. Yeah. I think that's cool. And I, I liked that uh, he was complicated. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, now we're in Maddie's point of view. She was able to land the plane. She didn't crash. The crash was staged and they put in the body of a German scout that they had found. That guy, wrong place, wrong time, dog. Wrong place, wrong time. But he shouldn't have gone to report it because no, no, his no. funeral. He, he should have, if he saw that, he should have just head down, keep walking. Instead, he was mm -hmm. like, oh boy, I can't wait for the, for the floor <laughs> to, to see what I've done. It's such a treat for this. <laughs> such juicy chocolate treats oh, for me. Such a sausage <laughs> in my future. <laughs> I'm so sorry to our German listeners. Thank you, Germany. 
<laughs> uh, but so, so he's all excited, tries to run off, and so they just shoot him down, stick him in the airplane, and light him on fire. Yeah, and then they're like, to make it look like it was because anyone will have seen that they had to light flares to guide Maddie to land because mm-hmm. it was like a harrowing. They got shot when they were flying into the country. Maddie was like barely keeping control of the airplane. Um. Oh my God, that Queenie, part was who so we now stressful. know to be Julie, because she wrote her real name in the the account when she knew that she was at the end of the book. Die. Yeah. Also, her name is Julie Lindsay. Ah, Julie Spelled Lindsay. the same way. She has like five names. It was not the best name. No, I mean it's very long she, because she's like old money. It's Scottish. very long, but it also like didn't flow well. <laughs> like I was no. just thinking, I was just judging her long not flowing well name um because i was like come on parents you could have done better than this yeah um, they could have done better by her yeah her name is lady julia lindsay mackenzie wallace beaufort scott no beaufort stewart i don't know where oh it's because she's scottish that jumped out in my brain at the same time um mm-hmm. yeah but everybody calls her julie but her nickname has also been scotty and queenie and the way she just ends her papers just writing i have told the truth over and over again oh my god it's so uh, the story is very heartbreaking so just be prepared to cry at the end because Mm -hmm. it it's really fucking sad yeah um because it is one of those things where it tricks you with a little bit of hope yeah you don't know (sighs) if she because it just ends with her saying i have told the truth and then it cuts off at i have told and then it has that memo But you don't really know what could have happened because then it jumps to Maddie's perspective, detailing what happened in the crash, like um, how much she struggled, how Julie jumped and parachuted down, kind of wondering if Maddie was going to make it. And then Maddie was able to land the plane. They lit these flares. She landed the plane, but they had to destroy the plane and and the, the site. So that nobody could trace, yeah, and fake her death so that nobody could trace it back to her. And we find out that the photo of all of those radios was planted. They were like fake. And so all of the lines of code Julie was giving them was made up. Mm -hmm. She was not, she used to be a wireless operator, but she was not a wireless operator anymore. She just made up stuff about the radios. Everything, like, yeah, the airfields were fake. The airfield we find was out fake. once Maddie gets a hold. She gave them absolutely nothing. So all of yeah. her, like, I'm such a coward. I'm sure it's she, nothing. like, it was like she did feel afraid and was, like, afraid to die. But she was giving them nothing. Yeah. Um, And I really liked finding out that all of the stuff she was writing about Angle's cruelty was made up. Yes, because Angle, they were flipping Angle. Yes, she that and was she so told cool. them that. So she was she was working on Angle to to make her a double agent, which she succeeded in doing. And so then Angle is the one who gets the papers out, and she yeah. tells Maddie how she was found. She looked it, that was correct. She looked the wrong way crossing the street because she's British. That's like the uh, thing in um, what's that movie where Scottish, he does the wrong three? Excuse me. Um. Oh yeah. It's um, 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 Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's he like holds that. up the index, middle, and third finger, but 
it's really but there they they do, they do thumb index middle yeah and so that was like a dead giveaway that he was american right is that what it was or maybe i can't remember split. which three you you put up um, i can't remember if it's thumb or or pointer, middle pinky, or middle ring middle pinky and ring let me see and they do the how to the okay do three sign. is that why that's a nazi sign hold on Oh, no, you're right. Uh, three is thumb, pointer, middle. Yeah, so I guess that's like European and then Americans do the index do middle ring. Yeah. Um, yeah, so kind of like that. She was looking the wrong way. She almost got hit by a truck. It turned out that Maddie was in the truck. I know. They were so close. Uh, that was very sad. So we find yeah. out that Maddie was in the truck that almost hit her. Um, and then... People always have eyes for that kind of thing. So as soon as she did that, they abducted her. And it was like so close to that prison anyway. Mm -hmm. It was like, yeah. She was getting the blueprints for it because her mission was they were going to blow it up, I think, and mm -hmm. try to get the prisoners out. But So she, so Angle was there when they abducted her, was like really upset, saw that um, while they were like, trying to bring her down she was like fighting like hell and she was using her scarf to try to wipe something off her hand she had written like the um i get kind of like dewey decimal system she had like written down what the plans were filed under i think mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and angle helped her wipe them off and handed the scarf to her and yeah and and no one checked the ink stain on the so no one knew what she was doing with it yeah yeah. And um oh, and that's also in the fucking papers yeah. that she smuggles out to check her scarf for code because mm -hmm. that's where Angle's written something. Mm -hmm. Man, that's good. So <laughs> <laughs> so they abduct her and and so the whole time Angle is like kind of helping her and she's like numbered all the pages and she smuggles them out and she's telling Maddie how and this is like much much later in the book. Because a lot of Maddie's story is like a training montage where she's like training to like learn how to shoot a gun and like, um, you know, there's like some shipping stuff with her and Paul or not Paul, um, her and Jamie. Uh, and she goes to visit Jamie's house and and Queenie's old house and uh, sees that she that the mom leaves the windows open all the time just in case the kids might come flying home like uh, Peter Pan and. That's really sad. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like it's like a lot of like her like trying to pretend to be French and her accent is atrocious and and all this stuff. And also it's um, now paying off a bunch of things that Queenie had written. Yes. In her papers, making it clear that like Queenie was like fucking making shit up. Yeah. And so she meets with Angle. And um, and she's at this point read all of Julie's writing, and I I just really liked the end moment where Angles offers her a cigarette, and Maddie gets really mad. She's like, "You never offered um Julie a cigarette," and she's like, "What are you talking about? That greedy little Scottish weirdo took like half my allowance in cigarettes from me. Do you have any idea how many cigarettes I gave her?" And that was yeah. the moment where Maddie's like. Oh, that was all made up. Yeah. All of her moments of cruelty were made up to protect Angle. And then it, 
And it highlighted also other parts that were fake in there where she's mm -hmm. like, this is weird. Like, I don't remember her telling me about this aunt. Like, yeah, that didn't happen. What is she because talking about? Uh -huh. So there's all of this stuff with Maddie hiding out and us finding more and more out. So they they find out that Julie has made contact, but then they can't. They lose track of her. She just disappears. And they start to figure out that she's been taken prisoner. And she's met with Georgia Penn. And that's when we start finding out about the interview. The truth mm -hmm. about the interview, which is that every moment that that um, Julie was like being glib or flicking her wrist or or like posing in some certain way that she detailed for some silly reason, um, she was showing Georgia um, marks on her body where she'd been tortured, and she was giving away little secrets like the arthritis thing and the warmth thing, mm -hmm, telling mm -hmm. them that they have their own generator, uh, generator. So she was giving them all of these secrets. Georgia comes out with it, lets them all know what she had been given. And Maddie is like, oh, my friend is so brave and wonderful. And at this point, I'm like, she is. She is yeah, so too. brave like, and wonderful. And you yes, didn't same. know. And I was like, we all agree. Yeah, Maddie, she's the best. Your friend is wonderful. She's doing amazing yeah. things. And yeah. and they figure out from this info they they get some other piece of information, I guess. Well, no, because we get the we get the entire package of papers, so we know Does where that she's happened going. Before, yeah, because that's how oh, we know okay. all that stuff. So they get the package of papers, and they're like, "Fuck, fuck, fuck! We need to like act now. We need to act now because they're she, transporting. Yes, the they're going to be transporting her now. And once she's out of here, we can't get her." Mm -hmm. So they're like, we need to do it now. Uh, oh, yeah. So that story about the great aunt killing her great uncle, Maddie's like, she never told me that story. What is she talking about? Like, I yeah. guess she did, but I don't really remember it about the aunt having to kill the the uncle. Yeah. And so they That's weird. are able to blow up the bridge. But when they stop the bus, the Germans haul all of the prisoners out and just shoot six of them all at once and it's and the so way they shoot them is like is like their elbow their knee their shoulder well, first it's like they just slow. straight up shoot six of them in the head to show that they oh that's right business julie and the guy right is before there her, yeah yeah and julie's d face down and she like taunts one of the soldiers and maddie's like what is she doing she's gonna get herself shot and the the girl that she's been staying with is like well yeah exactly she wants yeah. to get herself shot. And because, like, it's a lot better than where she's going. Yeah. And so they're trying to get the prisoners out. And Maddie realizes, like, they're fucked because the, the Nazis are so much crueler than they could have seen. Well, and they, like, they call They in, just start shooting uh, off the knees and elbows of everybody. Well, and more Nazis show up. Mm-hmm. So, so they have more Nazis show up. And so that moment... Ugh, I, I even at that moment I was like, well, maybe she'll get yeah, her I out. Thought, I still thought she was gonna get out. <laughs> when it's like so they're surrounded by fucking it. Nazis, like stupid. She's not gonna get yeah. out. But I was like, well, maybe. The, but I thought they will get but her. I thought maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but why not? She could have. She could have written could, it that she way. She did so good earlier, and so maybe she could and get so out. So we can do it. And so. 
also, so Julie thinks that that Maddie is dead, and it's Maddie. Oh yes, cries a lot. I love how much Maddie cries because she like she is brave. She still goes through with everything. She like knows a lot about mechanics. She's she's a pilot, but she like she cries all the time. And I was like, she's a little crybaby all the time. Yeah, and and so they're all of these prisoners are getting shot, and Maddie's hiding. It says when they shot him in one elbow and then again very rapidly in the same place to shatter it. My not very reliable control just went and I burst into tears. I couldn't help it. Something snapped. Like when we went to help the gunner, it made sound and found the dead boys. I burst into loud gulping sobs, bawling like a baby. Her face, Julie's face, her face suddenly lit up like a sunrise. Joy and relief and hope all there at once. And she was instantly lovely again, herself, beautiful, because she's like a fucking skeleton at this point. Yeah, She heard me, recognized my fear of gunfire um, blubbing. She didn't dare call out to me, didn't dare give me away. Ormay's most desperate fugitive. They fired at the second man again, destroying his other arm, and he fainted dead away. They had to drag him to the lorry. Julie was next. Suddenly she laughed wildly and gave a shaking yell, her voice high and desperate. Kiss me, Hardy. Kiss me quick. Turned her face away from me to make it easier. And I shot her. I saw her body flinch. The blows knocked her head aside as though she'd been thumped in the face. Then she was gone. Gone. One moment flying in green sunlight. Then the sky suddenly gray and dark. Out like a candle. Here. Then gone. Because oh like, my God, Kiss Me Hardy sunlight. was the last oh thing she had said to her before she jumped out of the plane. Oh yeah, And, and it was from seen, that story. And it was from that story. So it was like an inside joke that they had. And she'd written it into her notes that like her last words would have been this and and how it was the right thing for her aunt to kill her uncle. Yeah. All telling whoever read it to like just kill her the second they see her because yeah. she doesn't want to go to this camp. And so Maddie does it. And I was like, huh? Yeah, I was like, wait, but, but and even but then I was like, is she, she gonna get up? There? I was like, is she okay? Oh my god. She's okay, right? Yeah. No. I literally was like, maybe she just got her in the shoulder. Yeah, I was like, she could be fine. They can and then the green, they can run and get her. <laughs> and then the green sunlight thing. Ugh, I forgot about that. That was so beautiful. Was mm-hmm. they were flying and it was really late at night, and they see this bright green light and they're scared at first because they're like is that from like a bomb or is that are they testing something something? and then it turns out it's like this rare phenomenon that happens where the the light is lit up by a green flash and they just exist above the war for a second together and then to have that moment come back i was ah i was was really sad I, I thought Julie was going to make it. Me too. I she just thought not. that's the kind of book we were in. It wasn't. Yeah, me too. And not in a bad way. It, it was good. No, it, it was, was good. Like, it was it was narratively cr- a good thing to do. Yeah. Um, because I think it would have been a little bit. I would have been fine if she survived. But I like it. It just the book got a lot more poignant. Yes. I mean, it was just so. I don't and know. It was so fi- beautiful. She finds out reading the papers that, um, and I, I don't think she does get the papers till afterward because I think she reads the thing about the aunt and is like, 
it's you know, almost that's like being forgiven her. after. I um, think she knew to kill her because of the kiss me hardy, but kiss well, me and, quick. And the kiss me hardy, the kiss me hardy thing was also from the from the aunt and uncle story. And then, well, she I mean, put maybe it she gets in them. there, but that was already a she, thing that they yeah. had. That right. was already no, no, no. I mean, she just falsely put it in there to be yeah. a message like, "Kill me if if you hear that." Because I remember her reading over them. Remember, she hides in the attic and just like reads all of them, and she's like, "Because that's how they're able to find out like uh, about what parts of the building that they can bomb safely without hurting the prisoners and uh, information about like." Maybe she doesn't get them until afterwards. I don't think she gets them until afterward. Oh, so it's like a forgiveness. And then she gets a really heartbreaking oh, no, wait. letter. Maybe she does get it. Trying to figure yeah, it I out. think she gets it before. Because that helps them find her. No, she doesn't. So she just sits and reads them. I don't them think after. that all happens sure? after. Um, somehow, um, she's gotten through Georgia that... Um, angle could be dealt with and so she meets she leaves the scarf it's the scarf that gives them the information that they're going to be transported yeah and then she shoots her and then afterward i'm trying to make sure yeah she gets it after so she's recovering with who turns out to be the great aunt and she's like, I'm going to drink this now. I'm going to go to sleep. Angle's passed me all these papers. I haven't had the heart to look, but it must be from Angle again. Um, I jolly well don't feel like reading anything Angle has sent me anymore tonight, but tomorrow is Sunday and there will be croissants with the coffee and I expect it will still be raining. And then the next page, it is not Angle's writing. It is Julie's. I haven't finished reading yet. I've scarcely started. It is hundreds of pages of pages long. Half of it on little bits of card. This is all after she's shot Julie. Ugh. So it was this. It was Angle um, smuggling out the scarf that told them about the prisoners. Oh. And then after she's killed, that's when the like cook or maid that works in the prison smuggles the paper out, and the the maid is probably then sent to the camp for. Doing oh yes, that. the maid. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. So like So it's not until she's reading it after the fact that she she sees that story. And then oh and, and then that, she's like, and oh, so it's almost why did like she being, put that? It's yeah. almost like being absolved. So she afterward. so they communicated that to each other without Yeah. Uh, just because of Kiss Me Hardy, Kiss Me Quick, <laughs> and because of the fact that she had just been trying to get the soldier to shoot her. Yeah. And yeah. the the girl who she'd been staying with saying like She's like, she's going to get herself shot. And the girl saying like, yeah, that was kind of the point. Yeah. And then her saying, kiss me, Hardy, kiss me quick. Quick. Yeah. Yeah. And like seeing what had just happened and what likely was and going ha- to happen. Yeah, and how yeah. they weren't going to be able to get anyone out because of she was like about to just get her fucking elbows shot off. Mm-hmm. And then still would be transported to camp. Ugh. And the thing where it's like, it said, no, don't shoot her. The soldiers were like, don't don't shoot her yet. Yet We won't be able to have any fun with her. And the girl next yeah. to her says like, yeah, that's why she was doing that because they want to have their Nazi fun with her. And I was thinking mm-hmm. like, oh, rape. But it was like, no, experiment and torture. I mean, maybe also creepy Nazi rape. shit. 
probably also rape. But in addition but to also fun. experiments. Yeah. Yeah. And so th- that's how she knows what Julie wants her to do. Mm-hmm. And then she finds out after this story that she put in there. Okay, do the do the letter from the mom. Okay, I might cry though. I don't know if I can do it. I get do more choked up reading out loud than I do even reading to myself. Yes, please. Okay, I'll do it. Also, it was very funny because <laughs> so Kindle was telling me like this book is going to take like five, five and a half hours to read, mm-hmm. and I was like, huh, there's an hour left. Well, that's weird. I guess we get a lot of Maddie's story when she's back in England. Uh, no, the whole hour after that was an excerpt from <laughs> from what's like kind of a prequel. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'm done. Oh, good. I can go to bed. Um, I read it on uh, I read it on uh, what's it called? Uh, Open Library. So mine didn't have that. Oh, yeah. So it was really only a four hour read. Uh, OK, Sorry, I'm just getting to it. Sure. Okay, here we go. Ugh, ugh, okay. So this is from Lady Beaufort, <laughs> Lady Beaufort Stewart, Craig Castle, Castle Craig. Oh, that's the other funny thing is that yeah. her house is called Craig Castle, <laughs> Castle Craig. Uh, 26 December 1943. My darling Maddie, Jamie has delivered your letters, both yours and Julie's, and I have read them. They will stay here and be safe. The Official Secrets Act is of little consequence in a house which absorbs secret like, secrets like damp. A few more recipe cards and prescription forms tossed in amongst the teeming contents of over two, our two libraries will surely go unnoticed. I want to tell you what Jamie said to me as he gave me these pages. Maddie did the right thing. I say so too. Please come to see me, Maddie darling, as soon as they let you. The wee lads are all distraught with the news and you'll do them good. Perhaps they will do you good as well. They are my only consolation at the moment and I have been fearfully busy trying to make it a happy Christmas for them. Ross and Jock have now bought, lost both parents in the bombing, so perhaps I shall keep them when the war is over. I should like to keep you too if you'll let me. I mean in my heart and as my only daughter's best friend. It would be like losing two daughters if you were to leave us now. Oh my god. Please come back soon. The window is always open. Woo! Fly safely. Told you. Uh, I don't know what that means. You're loving Esme. P.S. Thank you for the etterpent. It is most extraordinary. Not a single word of this letter has blotted. No one will ever know how many tears I shed while writing it. I do mean fly safely, and I do mean come back. And that's that. It's really sad. It's really <laughs> sad. I cried it's really again. sad. I cried again, obviously, as you heard. Ugh. My window's always open. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> do not. Why are you doing this? Don't. Why are you doing this? Cut it out. And as usual, with all of our episodes, I actually appreciate it even more talking about it. Yes. I mean, this book was like... I appreciated it when I read it, but having like a day to sit with it and then talking to you about it, I'm like, damn, this book is good. Yeah. I feel the same where I I was like, oh, like after I read it, I was like, whoa. And then I kind of like sat with it. And then now talking to you about it, I'm like, wow. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a, Elizabeth Wine really, really did something with this. 
yeah, it's just a really artful book. Like when I finished it, I went, oh, that was really sweet. And I got teary at the end. And in talking about it now, I'm like, I can't believe it. And I was literally like, Julie just did her best and she just really didn't stop trying. And she worked so hard and it was for nothing. And she died and her best friend had to kill her. Ugh. They uh, did. I mean, it's they so did, captured. though, from what she gave them in the thing is like, then Angle went through everything and underlined everything of importance. Like she, yeah. she and Angle after, after Julie would finish writing, she would tell Angle like what in there was important to highlight after the fact. And so that's how they knew like this, like specs of the building and where to find the prisoners. And oh, and I knew that this was important when I read it, but I couldn't figure out what the fuck was going on. And she talks about how Angle gave her a like this floating American soap that smelled really nice to clean oh, herself yeah. up was before there, she saw it was Georgia in there, Penn. Right? She had put a key in there. Yes. Of some kind. And that's why it was floating, because so, it was like special. So she got a key and I think she snuck out and this was said in Maddie stuff. She snuck out. She got the keys. She got a key to something else, put the keys back and, and like the captain was in a ton of trouble over it. He was also yeah. in a ton of trouble for bringing Georgia Penn in. And yes, at the end of the book, the captain shoots himself. Von Linden shoots himself. And Maddie is like, yeah, really sad for his daughter. Oh, he's sold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, so like sitting with it, I appreciate it even more. Yeah. Like when we talked about like just all of the details that like everything paid off, you know, like all mm-hmm. everything. Ugh. Like everything like, had to serve for like, three purposes. She writes in there that she's like talking about angle and she's like oh she'd be almost pretty if she did this that and the other like i think red would be her color oh my god and she says that thing about red being her color and and angle everything that's important she underlines in red and so that's the signal to the person reading it like and her red is her color angle underline this for you it it also was like just cute that like maddie separately thought to herself like she'd look good in red like i thought mm-hmm. that was cute that they both they both had the same conclusions about things separately and so also, they really were finds out that they had the same dream about them flying together oh yeah and seeing the green moon oh my god mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's very sweet. It's a very sweet book, and I really recommend sweet. it. So there are multiple books in this series. Um, Did she end up writing more? I knew that there was sort of a like quasi prequel, and there was supposed to be a sequel, but it like didn't quite pan out. So there is a prequel before Verity. There was Julie. Uh, it's called The Pearl Thief. Um, it doesn't have as great reviews on Goodreads. Then she has this other one called The Enigma Game. Oh, that's separate. That's not part of the Codename Verity series. Oh, no, it is. It's book two. So book one is The Pearl Thief. Book two is The Enigma Game, which is a German soldier risks his life to drop off the sought-after Enigma machine to British intelligence. 
Uh, and it's just about something about that. <laughs> and then Codename Verity <laughs> is book three. And then book four is rated better than Codename Verity. And it's called yeah. Rose Under Fire. Uh, while flying an Allied fighter plane from Paris to England, American ATA pilot and amateur poet Rose Justice is captured by the Nazis and sent to Ravensbrück, the notorious women's concentration camp. Trapped in horrific circumstances, Rose finds hope in the impossible through loyalty, bravery, and friendship of her fellow prisoners. But will that be enough to endure? I mean, this is probably going to be very sad as well. I'm going to tell you something. Yeah, probably. She's a good writer. She's also a pilot. Mm-hmm. Also a pilot. The- yeah. I did read that, that she mm-hmm. originally was like, I just wanted to write about a pilot because uh, I'm a pilot and I'm also yeah. Northern and, <laughs> and no I one ever writes cool. stuff about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she ended up with this like horribly poignant emotional novel. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, she talks about all the research she did and how like it, she couldn't even like detail it because of how how many little things throughout the book she took from reality. And she especially, like, she she was like, I kind of a little bit maybe fudged the thing about the pen, but there were pens like that. And it makes yeah. sense that they they gave samples to the RAF. How cool. Mm-hmm. And so I put mm-hmm. it in there. Yeah. She just seems very, she seems charming. She does. She does. She also, like, writes, like, very quotable stuff. And this is not, uh, this is very, uh, so I, I'm reading the reviews for this new book. Or mm-hmm. It's not that new. It was written in 2017. No, Rose Under Fire. Oh, it's 2013. 20, 2013. According um, to this Wikipedia. Yeah, according to uh, Goodreads. Uh, it's 2013. <laughs> and there's this quote that says, hope is the most treacherous thing in the world. It lifts you and lets you plummet. But as long as you're being lifted, you don't worry about plummeting, which is true and sad. Um, mm-hmm. But everyone is saying like, that uh, it's a little bit more difficult to read uh, than Codename Verity just because like it's and difficult as in like emotional because mm-hmm. it's all at this. Yeah, I'm looking concentration at this camp quote from NPR comparing it to Codename Verity. Uh, Barry Hardyman of NPR wrote that Rose Under Fire is a quieter, less breathless read, which ultimately makes it that much more devastating. <laughs> Yeah, because and and everyone that's like that was revert that is reviewing this here, they're kind of like, look, this is not codename Verity. It's like pretty difficult because like you know that all of this stuff happened to people. Yeah. Oh, this says the novel won the American Library Association's 2013 Schneider Family Book Award for books that embody an artistic expression of the disability experience. For its portrayal oh. of the victims of Nazi medical experimentation. Wow. Why are these considered children's books? Whatever. Yeah. I mean, this Whatever. is not. Um, it should be more widely read. The thing That's the problem with calling something YA. It's not that I think that like YA isn't as good. It's that when something gets classified as YA, people don't take it as seriously and it doesn't get as widely read. And that's yeah. stupid. Like, is this a movie? This needs to be a movie. Oh, my God. It would be so heartbreaking. I would watch mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Randy Clett, for suggesting it because yes. I'm really happy to have read this book. I feel... Me too. I feel... Oh, what's the word? Expanded. You know, I feel mm-hmm. 
I don't know. It was just such a touching story of friendship that was just so heartbreaking and poignant, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. And it is, it's sort of, it's like somehow uplifting, but just because like, I don't know, people do extraordinary things for each other when things get bad. And so like, even though things do get bad, the fact that that is true is good. Yeah. (laughs) It's the, it's the upliftingness of like hope, like that. It's not anything solid, right? It's not like we're like, well, mm-hmm. everyone was saved and whatever. But it's like people, while it's in a story of people being com- completely capable of the most evil and noxious things, we are also getting a story of someone fighting that, doing, yeah, doing something and, truly great. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. It's pretty good. <laughs> So thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And and thank you so much again to Randy Klett. A special thank you to our Patreon producers. Thank you, Aaron Fernandez. Adam Howitz. Amanda Nangle. Amy T. Ann Dwyer. Ashley Fritz. Brian Petty II. Claire Moore. Courtney McPhail. Daniela Mana. Danny B. Emma. Aaron B. Gabriela Santiago. Gianna Fernandez. Gwendolyn Ludovic. Jeremy Kronk. Jeremy Goodfellow and Marco Pavlicic. Jessica Smith-Harper. Jessica Yu. Jonathan Venable. Karen Lewis. I see now the thing I was talking about earlier, how the freaking formatting got all messed up. Hang on. (laughs) Kat Miller. Katie Lilly. Katie Olsner. Keith Anderson. Kelly Burns. Kodiak S. Chris Dorina. Landry Desmond. Larry Nguyen. Laura Hooper. Luke Bartek. Mandalay Wolschlager. Max B. Megan Lozier. Mel Leos. Melody. Micah Eunice. Miguel Camacho, Miranda Hester, Molly G, Molly Marks, Nathan Gordon, Noah Spargo, Rachel Bessert, Randy Clett, Rebecca Goss, Rogue Kalahua, Saoirse Descaro, Sarah Wallen, Sasha Gibson, Sylvie T, Tristan Buckner, Victoria Beck, Victoria Gray, and Victoria Valdez. Thank you. We really appreciate you all. Thank you for uh, supporting the podcast. Thank you for listening. We will see you for the April Outside Genre. Uh, Please wear a mask. Please get vaccinated as soon as you're eligible. And keep it extra creepy. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Kelly Nugent, Lindsay Katai, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.